You're listening to Panthers on Tap podcast. I'm Curtis Round, joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing our love for the game and Carolina Panthers football. So join us, crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't really care. Whatever makes you sleep better at night. Before we dive in today's episode, a little self-promotion. Stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap. Join the discussion on our Facebook group, Panthers on Tap. We have over, over 2,500 members. You can find all of our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, just search Panthers on Tap. Don't forget to give Bryson and I some love on Twitter. You can follow us at Coach Rule and at Curtis underscore round. Bryson, how you doing this evening? Doing great, man. Just uh, enjoying the evening, watching some Canes hockey before I hopped on and um, just enjoying the Tuesday night. How about yourself? I'm doing good. A lot of things are happening around the NFL. I'm excited. We're getting closer to free agency. So I'm just ready for things to get really rolling here and get chaotic. Absolutely. I'm excited to uh, to bring on our guest this evening. Uh, he's a, a good friend of mine uh, from back in West Virginia. Uh, we, we met through college and, and work and just kind of became really good friends through that. Um, it's uh, Delvin Johnson, former NFL defensive tackle for the Washington football team, uh, former defensive tackle for uh, Marshall University, where I went to college. Um, we're happy to have him on. And um, how are you doing this evening, DJ? Doing great, man. Thanks for asking. Yeah, it's, uh, we're glad to have you, man. I'm excited to pick your brain a little bit. Oh, yeah, man. Any Anytime, man. I mean, congratulations to you guys' podcast, too. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Let's just let's get started here and. Just give us a breakdown of the NFL for us, DJ. How what happened with you, your kind of process throughout, and just just give us your take. A lot of guys will tell you that the NFL is a business. Um, and just being becoming a 22-year-old, you know, rookie, you don't really understand the business side of it until you get there. Um, you have, you know, two options. You can become a um, you know, drafted, high draft pick. You know, first to the second rounds, I mean, first to seven rounds, or you can become an undrafted free agent. You know, those two routes are, you know, totally different from each other. Um, one has a little bit more stability. Um, coaches are a little bit more lenient to you, and the learning curve is a little bit longer uh, from a guy who was undrafted and signed, signing on to a team. Um, those, you know, undrafted free agents, you know, they don't get a lot of, you know, opportunity. Um and it just, you know, sucks for everybody. But I was an undrafted free agent. Um, that means I wasn't drafted at the first or seventh, seventh rounds. And, you know, draft day, you know, someone called me, my agent. Um, it was like, hey, we got these three teams interested. You know, you basically get to pick, you know, what team you want to go to. Um, and you have to look at, you know, the the um, the roster, you know, um, the, depth, the depth chart of the teams that you're, you know, you're potentially going to. And just the overall, you know, um, fitness and how how it's gonna fit you, you know, as a, as a, as a uh, you know as a player. Um, at that point, I chose you know Washington football team. I thought it'd be a really good opportunity for me. Um, a lot of those guys were on that team um, were undrafted free agents, so that lets you know that you know Washington football where Redskins at that time, you know, were understanding of you know talent. Um, you know, I, I did really good. Um, you know, during the preseason, you know, I, I let the team, like, let, let the defense align in sacks. Um, you know, I had eight tackles, um, and it was just an overall good feel, a good foot in the door, you know, for my, you know, potentially rookie season. And, you know, um, 
at the towards the end, you know, I, I was released. Um, and I was devastated because I thought that I'd done so well on that team, you know, and I, I gave it my all. And, you know, they just released me. So I came back to Huntington just to train just a little bit more. You know, we was reaching out to teams. We had a couple more interested, like um, Indianapolis Colts and Jacksonville Jack Wars. Um, so I was just kind of training for them. And then out of nowhere, I'm just laying on the bed, like on a Monday morning, I get a phone call on this Washington football team. And, you know, I was like, hey. And I was like, hey, DJ, you know, we want you to come back. I'm like, you serious? And I was like, yeah. You know, we made a mistake, you know, um, you know, just come back with we send you a plane ticket right now. So they sent a plane ticket. I go out there for a couple of weeks. I signed to the practice squad. You know, at that point was making like, you know, it's 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 decent, you know what I'm saying? It's it's a decent living. Um, and then you know, I end up getting released again. So, you know, long story short, you know, that that NFL is is one percent of business, you know, it's no love lost to anyone. You know, they just have to move on and do what's best for them. Yeah, DJ, I just want to jump in here real quick. You, you were on the team when Mike Shanahan was the coach, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Tell us a little bit about him. How how was playing for him in that little short stint you have? What what was what was that like in the locker room and just in meetings? Um, Mike Shanahan is is a real cool guy to me um, from my perspective. Um, he's really an understanding coach, and he also is a player's coach. You may hear that term a lot. A lot of a lot of people don't understand what it means. It just basically means that the coach puts they 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 self in the player's shoes, you know, and can understand the the long practices and you know just the time away from their family. So Shanahan was that. Um, you know, we we never practice full pads. Um, we can come to practice one day, and he was like, "Hey guys, we're not practicing. You know, we got a family." Um, dinner or picnic and you know here rent like big um, bouncy houses for people family to come and have cookouts and stuff like that which is which is really cool you know Shanahan was a, was all around good coach I, I enjoyed him but you know other people relationships with him is totally different from what I had and what I what I saw so DJ I, I got a question for you um, <clears throat> I, this is just something uh, we were kind of wondering about um, is there a difference between the um like a day-to-day for an NFL player during the offseason and then a day-to-day for the for an NFL player during the season is there a difference between between that kind of day-to-day like lifestyle or or what yeah absolutely you know in the offseason you know your body is essentially your business um so you have to take care of it you have to work out you have to make sure you're in tip-top conditioning um because of these reasons you know, I may be an eight-year vet. I have a rookie that's half my age coming in, and that team can, you know, possibly pay him less to do the same thing that I'm doing. You know, so, you know, it's definitely different in the offseason. You just have to train really hard. You know, they probably train eight hours a day. How many other hours? It's, it's very long. In the end season, it's kind of more it's, – it's a little bit more chill. Um, you know, practices aren't – as intense, you know, it's kind of, you know, iron down. You probably have one day out of the week that you hit each other. Um, and it's basically, you know, you more in the um, game planning, you know, you seeing what the other team's strengths and weaknesses are. You're looking at film a lot more. Um, it's basically just seeing what that team is all about. You know, you get the, I mean, it's, 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 it's definitely a difference. Now we have pro days. Pro days are already started here and they're bigger than ever this year because there's no combine. 
did you at Marshall have a pro day? How did, how does, how did that process work? And just kind of explain that to us a little bit. Yes. Um, Marshall, yeah, we, we, we had a pro day, you know, I, um, in the off season. So as a senior or somebody who's coming out trying to enter the draft, um, the season essentially ends, I think in November, you know, or December after the bowl game. So after the bowl game, I basically came right to Huntington. Um, I had no rest. Um, and we was, you know, training towards, um, the pro day. Um, it was basically two days out the day, you know, um, working out, um, practicing the drills, um, lifting weights, doing yoga, um, massages, um, you know, it was it was all kind of things, you know, flexibility you was trying to work on um, the Wanderlet test. You know, we did some kind of we did some studying for that, you know, with lawyers. Um, Do you remember any of those questions? Don't mean to cut you off. Do you remember any of those questions on that test? Any anything that was no, crazy? I mean, no, nah, it's, it's, you know, in, in that moment, you know, I'm so locked in that, you know, they could tell me to lick an icicle and, you know. Play play little red doodle when I would I would have done it so I didn't I didn't pay attention but I was trying to do my best on it you know but you know some of the stuff was it was simple it it wasn't anything like strenuous or anything <clears throat> oh yeah so back to the pro day you know once um once you know pro day happens you know you you're very nervous you don't understand you don't know what's going to happen you don't know you know the um the sequence of the drills or what you're going to do the first. You know, because it switches up, you know, from year to year. Um, but once you get in and, you know, you start doing it, it's, it becomes like muscle memory. You know, it's all repetitive. You've been doing this stuff your whole life. You know, you just knock it out. But this time you have an audience and the audience just happened to be, you know, 32 NFL teams, which was, you know, my case because this, we had Vinny Curry. You know, Vinny was very hot that year. Um, so a lot of people showed up to see him. But anybody on that field that was looking at two. So let's uh let's transition a little bit more into the um the signing process. So like like when you got signed as an undrafted free agent, um, what what does that look like? Like are you like walking into a room with like the GM and the coach and like signing a contract on the table or or how, what's that look like? It 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 just depends on the situation. Uh, my situation, you know, once I got to Washington, um. Like I was getting ready to leave because we was there for like a little. Um, they had called me to do a. Uh, uh, it was more like a you know rookie camp. You know what I'm saying. So I got I got signed out to my rookie camp. So um, Coach Hazlitt was the defensive coordinator the whole time, and um, Coach Bernie, uh, not Bernie Gibson, but Coach Gibson, he was um, basically just telling me the whole time, like, man, just you know keep it up, keep doing a good job. You know, you have a surprise at the end. You have a surprise at the end. And, you know, I didn't bet no mind. Um, but at the end he was like, Hey, you know, um, can you meet, you know, the defensive coordinator? And, and it was, it was some little guy. I don't, I don't even know him. Um, we need to talk to you. So I was like, yeah. And it was like, how, 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 you, how would you want to, how would you feel about being in Washington? And I was like, I love it. So they, they took me to a little room, um, and they had the contract on the table and, you know, the TV behind me, but you know, it's not like it is now. Everybody trying to make it a big deal, but it was a little TV behind me and I just basically put the papers on the table and I signed it. And I, you know, I was like smiling the whole time and, you know, texting my mom, like, Hey mom, like this is what I'm doing. I bet you were so happy, you man. Know, I, I bet you were getting it. Yeah, it was, it was exciting. What was your, first yeah, I mean, being, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Go I'm ahead. Sorry. Being the first, being, being the first person out my high school to, to make it professional in NFL, 
uh, or even just to sign a contract and being the first person in my family. I mean, obviously that's huge. So, and that's something that you prayed about, you know, for your entire life and for it to come true, you know, you just, you just, I mean, take it to the moon. Emotions are really high. Do you remember what was your first big purchase off that contract? You, you going out to get a Lamborghini, you buy an house, what were you doing? No, 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 no. You know, like I said, undrafted free agents is a, is a little different than, you know, we're not signing no a million dollar guaranteed deal. You know, you might get 20,000, you know, sign a bonus or something like that and just have to sign the, the rookie minimum. Um, but, you know, one thing, one thing I bought, it was like a Dodge Charger. That was one thing I bought. And other than that, I was pretty, you know, I saved a lot of money. Save what I made, you know, to this day. So, I, I know that you're Dodge, a smart man, but it was Dodge Charger. Well, I've, I've been in it a couple of times. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. Don't try to downplay that little yeah. Dodge Charger. Nah. <laughs> well, let's go in. Let's let's dive into the Pan- Panthers now. What do you want to see Carolina do this off season with free agency coming up the draft? And let's just start with free agency. What do you want to see them do? I mean, I just. You know, I'm a huge Carolina Panthers fan. Been there since day one. You know, with Bianca Patuka as the running back, and you know, it was it was awesome. Like during those days to see them coming up, but to see where where they are now is awesome. Um, I just want them to just continue to build around the players they got. You know, um, at one point, you know, I, I saw that you know it was a potential trade for Watson, um, and they was going to trade like McCaffrey or something like that. And I was like, you can't trade McCaffrey. You know what I'm saying? So I just I – I don't know, man. I just want them to utilize the players they got at that strength and maybe just bring some people around – bring some people in and make them better all around. So you a Teddy I mean, Bridgewater they, guy? They not – I mean, it ain't – I'm not saying that I'm not or I am. If he if he's the guy, he's the guy. I mean, obviously he has strengths. He was coming out the injury. So, he's, I mean, he's a little rusty, you know, but you just got to give him time to, you know, mature and continue to grow in that position especially that city, you know, Charlotte is, you know, unique city, you know, it's probably different to him. So I, I guess I, I, I had the idea since you're a Clemson guy, I thought you were going to be a big Deshaun Watson, the Carolina uh, supporter and try trying to get your Clemson boy to, to Carolina. I mean, but what are you, what are, what are we sacrificing though? You know, what are we giving up to get a Deshaun Watson? Because Deshaun Watson is, is a highly elite quarterback, you know, he, he but you cannot, give him bring him in and like get rid of our you know marquee guys yeah. we're getting like, we're giving the be, keys to the car in the house that's what we're, <laughs> that's what they're giving <laughs> let's be real here yeah, but, but 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 let's be honest I, I mean how far would that get us we'll probably be a seven and nine team like you know and I, I don't know I just I just want them to make the right decision you know for the sake of everyone you know the fans included but I think Deshaun Watson they do really really good in Carolina though I'm, I'm actually rooting for that you're right <laughs> So do, do you like any of the quarterbacks in the draft this year? You, you like you a Justin Fields guy or a Trey Lance or Zach Wilson? I mean, I, you know, I love um, Lawrence. Yeah. and Of course you do. You know, I, I think <laughs> – but we, we don't have any. Yeah. Carolina has no opportunity to get them. No chances. Um, but Trevor is a, a good guy, you know, first and foremost, and he's a hell of a quarterback, you know, excuse my language. Um, and Justin Fields, you know, I'm not – I don't know about him. Really? Like they're the only two that I really got to watch, but you know I'm not I'm not really a, a high fan of him. Is, is that because he's from Ohio he just, State? I, I, <laughs> no, I don't know what it is. I, I think I think um, 
I don't know. It's just something about him. I'm not. I'm I mean, not he fan. lit up Clemson this year. He he looked like he that's was ready for the NFL. In that that's game. what I'm saying. Yeah, that's probably why. That's why you don't like him. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. When you get on the NFL, you throw those pads on. It's, it's a totally different game. You could you can ball out in college. You know, we see that from Ohio State players. You know, a lot. You know, they get in the league, and you know. But we, we'll see, man. I, I root for him, but I, I'm not a fan of him. Yeah, the Ohio State quarterbacks really don't have a, a strong history of panning out in the NFL, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. So, all right. Uh, let, let's transition into more of the uh, position that you play, defensive tackle. Um, I kind of wanted to get some details from you. What, what do you think makes a good defensive tackle? Teams, they draft players or look at players based on – the um their defensive you know schemes you know some got like like uh for the longest patriots used to like you know players to one gap and keep their you know linebackers free so the so the defensive line didn't really make a lot of plays it was the linebackers you know making all the plays they were scraping off because the defensive line was holding up but to me you know um what makes a good defensive lineman is you know being able to you know control the gaps um being aggressive uh physical um, very quick on their feet, you know, and good hands. You know, you got to have good hands. You got to be violent with your hands because, you know, offensive line will try to grab you in the way they can. You have to be able to knock them off. Um, and just, you know, very disciplined. You know, a lot of quarterbacks, you know, try to, you know, hit you with their you know, to draw you off size. And, you know, you have to be able to, you know, keep your ears muffled at all times and, you know, watch the ball. You know, during my playing days, I used to jump off sides a little bit. But, you know, as, as time went on, I you know, gained more experience and, saw what they was trying to do, you know, that's that's the quarterback weapon is the cadence. Everybody on the offensive line or on the offensive side knows the cadence. And that's the only really jump they know have on you is knowing the cadence and also knowing the play. Going back since the Panthers started, who do you rank top defensive tackles of all time or who are your favorite over the years that you've seen in black and blue? I don't know. That. That's, that's hard, man. But, um, man, um, I'm gonna have to think about that one, man. I mean, you had you had Chris Jenkins back in the day. You had yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, KK now. Um, I mean, there's there's a bunch of guys. Star Lutalele and even Derek Brown. Like, yeah, I'm I'm not there. There is awesome, but he's 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 also new. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, he had he got a good season last year, but he's also new. So. It's kind of hard to, you know, put him at the top of it. But, you know, obviously Jenkins, though, Jenkins was a beast, you know, but it's just, I don't know, there's so many of those guys that come in, come in at system, man, that I, that I was fans of. So, who was your favorite uh, Washington football team teammate? Um, Jarvis Jenkins. Um, he's from Clemson. Um, you know, we grew up together. Uh, well, not grew up together, but we, we come from the same area. We play AU and, you know, all kind of sports together. Um, so just just going to that city, he kind of tucked me under his wing, you know, showing me what it was all about. Plus, he played defensive line. And plus, we from South Carolina. So, you know, all Carolina boys stick together. Um, so he, he was awesome. He was a, um, a good part of my growth. And also Chris Neal, Chris Neal from WVU, um, out of all places. You know, supposedly Marshall and WVU was, you know, rivals. Um, but, you know, he, he took me in and, you know, showed me the way. He was also an undrafted free agent. 
So, you know, I was just kind of, you know, just hanging on his tail, you know, his coattail. So he, he was an awesome teammate for sure. And um, Chris Bowen, sorry, I keep going, but Chris Bowen was a 10-year um, a vet. You know, he, he played with the um, Dallas Cowboys and also New York Giants and a Washington football team. And he would just, you know, we'd go hang out at his house and, you know, go to the bar with him. And it was just, you know, it was awesome. You know, those guys were awesome. They were vet veterans, but, you know, they've been rookies at one point. And they were just, you know, showing all they know to us. So it was, it was awesome, man. DJ, I got a question for you. When you're studying against a team, you know, going against offensive offensive linemen, what are you looking for for weaknesses and the guys you're going against? Like, how are how are you breaking down film? Um, you just you you look at the offense and the the personnel they come out in, whether they have a two tight end set or you know, a, um, you know, they're in trip formation to, to the right side. And you look at those formations and you feel, get a good sense of what they're going to run coming out. So you may say, hey, when they come out in two tight ends, it's always a run or it's like 75% run. Or when the running back lines up on this side of the quarterback, they're going to go into the flat. You know, you look at things like that and you pick it up. Um, and the defensive coordinator does a really good job. Um, whoever scouting that team does a really good job because they do they do all the dirty work. They break down that film hours and hours and hours before it ever gets to our hands. So by the time it gets to us, we just be, have to be able to look at it and make the sound decision on the field. But it, I mean, we study a whole lot too. But you know, like I said, the defensive coordinators and all the coaching staff they do the hard work. Yeah, I think I know the answer to this question, but uh, I wanted to ask him who his favorite Marshall teammate was. Oh, um, so I'm 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 gonna go. I'm gonna take you out through a process because that's not a simple. That's not a simple answer. Um, when you when you first get to college, you know, you're nervous because you never played Division One or college football on that level. Um, so you usually stick to you know the guys that you come in with. You know, I came in with you know Benny, um, Brandon Bullock. Um, Jojo Cox was another Clemson guy. He's signed with Clemson. Um, so I stuck with those guys, you know, because we was each other, each other comfort. You know, whenever, you know, I felt tired of, I looked at them and they was always, hey, come on, let's go, let's go. Um, so as we start practicing and being around a team more, you know, um, the older guys, obviously they take you in, you know, um, and they're not jerks. You know, they, they teach you the plays. They teach you the way of life at Marshall. And those guys that we looked up to was um, Albert McKellen, which he had, a, I think, like a 10-year NFL career, won a couple championships. Um, Albert McKellen and John Jacobs, you know, was a Virginia guy. His, I think his family was like military. John Jacob had no aspirations of going to the NFL, but he was a sound football player. He was very mentally uh, sound. He was also um, very disciplined. And John taught us how to pass rush and how to be a um, – you know, division one athlete, you know, so obviously they was really good teammates. So as you, as John Jacobs and Albert McKellen leave, you begin to transition to the older guy. So then the younger guy started to look to you. So we get the, you know, John Yabotis, John Yabotis won a Super Bowl ring with the Denver Broncos. You get the um, Marquise Akins and Brandon Sparrows. And those guys are now looking at you, you know, for guidance. And you just basically take them under your wing 
So I say that, you know, every relationship that you you develop and every bond that you develop there is um very useful to this day. Those guys can call me and ask me for anything and I'll be there. Um and you know, it's, it's a brotherhood, you know, but you know, Vinny is 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 my guy, you know. Um I can call him and hopefully ask for anything. I, I, I mean, most of like I can, all my teammates, you know, Vinny and I, we started a gym. Um, so that relationship went on to football and towards business, you know, in our personal life. So, you know, but, you know, I, I love all my teammates, man. And, you know, I know they, they they do the same for me and they love me. So, I mean, it's it's been awesome. I, I hope he's holding it up, down up there in West Virginia for me. I, I, I miss it up there. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate you coming on. We really do. Just getting a former NFL player's perspective is it's awesome to hear those, you know, those little stories that you were telling us about certain things and how the process works. Mm -hmm. we, we appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Anytime, man. I hope I answered all the questions, you know, for oh, you guys. You did, dude. So yeah, absolutely. Maybe you'll come around to the Watson trade. <laughs> one, one of these days you might come around to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, DJ. All right, see you see guys. You. Uh, well, that was former NFL player Delvin Johnson. Played with the then Washington Redskins from 2012 to 2014. Good to get his perspective on football, outside of football, and just how the process works in general. Bryson, let's, let's transition over to some, you know, spot news, day news that's happened. Carolina put the franchise tag on uh, Moton. Mm -hmm. What were your thoughts? What were your thoughts on that? I mean, I know it was expected. I mean, Taylor Moten, 26 years old, hasn't missed a game in three seasons, started all, all 16 games for the Panthers these last three years. Were you surprised? Did you, were you hoping that they, they land a deal before the franchise tag? Well, I, I think they still have a chance to um, land a deal before it's officially official. I think they have until like, um, Oh God, I don't know the exact. It's mid July. Yeah, okay. Mid July, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like July sixteenth or seventeenth or something like that. But to to actually get a, a long term deal done. But uh, I think it was a fresh breath of air for Panthers fans to not have their best offensive lineman leave in free agency uh, for one free agency in the past. I don't even know how many years. Ten years plus. Uh, they, they've it seems like every year they got their best offensive lineman leaving to another team so it was a fresh breath to to get your your number one offensive lineman back one of the best right tackles in the league um, I hope they get a deal done soon a uh, long-term deal because I'd hate to see him leave I mean the man didn't miss a game last year didn't miss a snap last year and just I think he was the pro football focused uh, ranked third right tackle in the league y you just don't let players like that walk out of your door yeah, I mean, he had one penalty last year. One freaking penalty. Like, that's what you want out of offense lineman. He only gave up, I think, a couple sacks last year from Pro Football Focus's website, what they had. But, yeah, he's – I feel like he is the first piece Carolina needed to put into place if they want to go after Watson. They needed the right tackle. Now, does this mean they're getting Watson? No, Obviously not. There's other things that have to fall into place. But if you're going to bring in a guy like Watson, you need an offensive line to protect him. He doesn't want to come to a situation like he was in, in Houston where he's getting sacked and running around with his head cut off trying to make plays and trying to be the entire offense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, getting um, Moten definitely can 
persuade Watson to come to Carolina more, I guess, just to know that he has his right sides protected. So um, they still got some work to do on the offensive line for sure um, at guard and left tackle, but uh, hopefully they can address some of that in free agency and in the draft and get a solid offensive line for any potential quarterback that's going to be back there this year. Yeah, I'm hoping they can lock down a guard or two and hopefully a left tackle because that position going into this next year does not look good right now. So they need – and maybe they bring Russell Kong back. I mean, he's a possibility on a cheap deal maybe. And I hope not. They can do some sort of rotation. Yeah, I, I hope not either. <laughs> but that – that I don't think that's out of the, the question. Yeah. Let's stick with free agency here a little bit. Hassan Reddick from Arizona. He wasn't franchise tagged today. Do you think Carolina has a shot signing him if they're trying to go after Watson? I don't, I just feel like it's going to be hard to land some of these key name free agents if they are all in on Watson. Well, I don't think um, signings like in free agency, like Hassan Reddick would be would affect your ability to get Watson because I think this year cap wise, he's only about a $20 million cap hit right around what Teddy Bridgewater is at at the quarterback position. So cap wise, it doesn't affect anything. Um, So signing players from free agency with a cap that the Panthers have, I don't think a trade for Watson is going to affect that at all. But I, I do think that the Panthers have a legit chance to get Son Reddick just because of the relationship that he has with uh, Matt rule. And it's, He's Matt Rule's obviously known to players that he's got a relationship with in the past, whether that be Baylor or Temple. He goes for those players. And Hassan Reddick coming off the best season of his career with 12 and a half, 12 and a half sacks, I think that Hassan Reddick is probably one of the top targets for Matt Rule this, this offseason to bring him in, pair him with Brian Burns coming off the edge. Uh, I think that would be just an absolutely disgusting defensive line. Yeah, and the only reason why I bring it up is because I feel like Bill Voth and Darren Gant have some sort of insight into how things are going. And when they put out stuff on Twitter, it's intentional. They just don't put it out to put it out there. And he tweeted today, Bill Voth, he said he 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 doesn't think it would be a fit price-wise to get Reddick. He's he said, but considering his temple connection and last year's theme here, it's at least a funny coincidence. So that, I don't know what that tweet means, but to me, it seems like, yeah, a lot of fans really want him, but eh, guys, let's be realistic here. I don't think that's going to happen. I hope that the Panthers get Reddick, but there are, there are a ton of uh, talented players um, in free agency this year that you can get, you can sign. Um, not, I mean, not super expensive, probably short-term deals just because of the cap this, this year with it being lower. Um, I think Hassan Reddick will probably end up signing a one-year deal with whatever team he goes to just to um, prove that he he is a 12-and-a-half sack guy and it wasn't a fluke season being next to Chandler Jones or um, opposite Chandler Jones on the defensive line. So I, I think he probably does sign a one-year deal. But Yeah, and Fitter kind of teased to that, that they're going to try to get turnover on the back end of the roster. So you're going to have – you're going to see more of the Weatherly and Whitehead signings this year, hopefully not as much as Herney spent on some of those guys, but you're going to have that turnover and those they're bringing in those guys to fill some of those gaps. And I think you're going to definitely see that tomorrow. Excuse me, not tomorrow, Thursday. I'm jumping the gun here. Thursday is a big day for Panthers fans. Something exciting is happening. 
it's a set. I guess you'd call it bittersweet. Greg Olson, Thomas Davis retiring. They're signing one day contracts to retire as Carolina Panthers. You'll love to see it, Bryson. Absolutely. Nobody should ever wear 88 or 58 again um, in the black and blue uh, or, or one for that matter while we're on the topic, but that's for another day. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Greg Olson and Thomas Davis, they're absolutely two of the best Panthers of all time. Um, Greg Olson, the first tight end in NFL history with three back-to-back to back 1000 yard receiving seasons. And then Thomas Davis, obviously just his story and his leadership um, and Panthers culture in general. And his community, his impact in the community is this unbelievable. That guy on and off the field, you couldn't ask for anything better. No, I, I could totally see him being a coach, a high school coach, or even maybe college or NFL, but he, he he's going to be involved with football. I, I can guarantee that. And I'll give you some time to answer this. I'll start because I kind of throwing this on you. What is your favorite moment from either Thomas Davis or Greg Olson? And I'll start with Greg Olson. And that was, I don't, I don't know if it was the playoffs yet. It was towards the end of the season versus Seattle Seahawks. Carolina was down and Cam Newton hit him over the middle on a post for the touchdown to take the lead versus Seattle and they ended up winning the game. That was one of my top five moments of all time. Cause one, I hate Seattle and two Cam Newton to Greg Olson. Gotta love the connection. I just, that play sticks in my mind and I always see it on highlight reels. That's one of my memorable moments of Greg Olson's career. I'll go with Thomas Davis. Uh, I was trying to find what game it was. I can't remember exactly what game it was, but every Panther fan knows it. Um, when they were playing the Saints, and Thomas Davis was just absolutely manhandling Jimmy Graham the whole game. Doesn't matter if he was getting the ball or not. Thomas Davis was hitting him at the line, knocking him on his ass, and just making him making him know Thomas Davis's name um, and, and bringing that back home and, and telling his family uh, who – who manhandled him in the game because Thomas Davis just took control of that game and just absolutely destroyed the saints that game. And I, and that's just one example of many of Thomas Davis is just when he was on the field, he was dominant and he was strong and he was smart. And I'm watching him with Luke Keekley, um, I it was probably one of the greatest um, memories being a Panthers fans for me, uh, just watching two of the greatest linebackers in our history together. Yeah. And for me, it was, Thomas Davis and Lou Keekley together, you had that sort of sense that the defense had a chance. You weren't wor- you weren't as worried when the when Carolina's defense went on the field because you had Thomas Davis, Luke Keekley flying around, Thomas Davis making the hard hits on guys. And th- that always was a sense of relief when Carolina, those early years of Cam Newton and those guys all together was Oh, defense is back out there. They're going to get a stop. They're going to get a turnover. And I, and that's what I, that's what I miss about Carolina defense is that's, it's not that way anymore. It's inconsistent. You get that every once in a while, like, Oh, they're, they're, they might get a stop here, but those two guys tandem, I would argue one of the best tandems in linebackers, Carolina history and in NFL history, those guys both were special. And I think one of my favorite moments of Thomas Davis and, a lot of fans could say this is him playing in the Super Bowl. Absolutely. I mean, he his arm looked like a football, had staples in his arm, and he played that entire game. Yep. 
to just it was mind blowing. It really was. A- any other player, I don't know if you could say that a lot of NFL players would do that. He knew. I mean, that guy was going to give it his all. He's got the grit. He is going to go out there. He doesn't care what injury he's got. I mean, three three torn ACLs comes back from. No NFL player has ever come back from th- three t- torn ACLs, and he did it. And he did it damn good. He played eight, nine seasons after that third torn, torn ACL. I remember watching the video in the NFC Championship of him coming off the sideline and talking to Luke Keekley and uh, telling him that his arm was broken. And, and Luke was like, damn, are, are you going to be able to play in the Super Bowl? And he's like, absolutely. I'm not missing the Super Bowl for anything. I'll be out there. And uh, he had surgery, I think, the next day, the next morning. And uh, he he was out there on that field with a club on his arm playing in the Super Bowl, giving it his all. And I, I – he he's going to be forever a legend for that. He's the perfect and NFL prototype player you want on your team. Great off the field, great on the field. It's going to give it his all. He's going to break his arm and play in the Super Bowl for you and put it all on the line so you guys can win the football game. That's exactly what you want in a football player. And I'm very excited for them. Hopefully we see them on the Hall of Honor. They better be in the next the next Hall of Honor. They had a great first class under David Tepper, and I'm excited to see, who knows, maybe you see Greg Olson, Thomas Davis, Cam Newton, and Luke Keekley get all enshrined at once. Maybe they wait until that moment. I don't know. That could be special because those guys were part of a great group and brought this team back to relevancy, which was really nice. And I wish it, ho- and I'm hoping it comes back, maybe. Yeah, me too, man. What, what do you think about the numbers? You think they should retire the numbers? Nobody ever wears 58 or 88 again? You know, I think, I think, I think you could do both. I could see, I could see people say maybe Thomas Davis over Greg Olson. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, I'm down for both. I really, I, I'll never forget the day Greg Olson was traded from the bears to Carolina and I'm sitting there and back then I was a Packers fan. So I, I saw Greg Olson on the bears and he was arguably one of their best offensive players. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was Jay Cutler's go-to. And when he left, it was like, Oh my God, this, this guy's going to be a Panther. Like, this is great. So that I think, I mean, I, 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 I would be open to both of them retiring their numbers and I think they both deserve it. Yeah. And, and back to that trade real quick, when that trade happened, I think that's the best mid season trade news that I've ever gotten as a Panthers fan. I, I can't think of another trade that has panned out better than Greg Olson. I think he, I think they traded what a third round pick for him. Yeah, it was a third round Something, pick. I mean, my God, and you get one of the, in my opinion, one of the best tight ends in the NFL history. So um, I, I think that was a great trade and uh, one of the best midseason trades for Carolina ever. So Yeah, and, you know, Greg Olson, a lot of people, you know, they, they always focus on the receiving yards, but that guy could block, man. He would give up his body to get, you know, Jonathan Stewart the extra yardage. Um, D'Angelo Williams extra yards, and that's that's what I loved about him because he could block too. I mean, he was a dual threat. He could block in the run game, and that guy could catch the damn ball, and he could make some spectacular catches. I mean, one hand, you know, Cam Newton throwing it high, he's coming up with a one-handed catch, tiptoeing on the sideline. I mean, that's and and Carolina's been really missing that since he's gone. They haven't had that. I mean, Ian Thomas hasn't. He hasn't panned out. 
So they've really missed his absence. And it's, it was disappointing to see him kind of end his career with all these injuries. These last couple of years, I felt bad for him. Yeah. Because, you know, you know, he trained his ass off in the off season and come out and two, three weeks in, he hurts, injures his foot. And then the next season injures his foot again. And then he goes to Seattle and injures his foot. It's like, the guy can't catch a break, yeah. but I mean, I'm happy. He's going to be one hell of a Fox analyst. Oh yeah. And I'm excited to see him call Panthers games. I know that's going to be fun to watch. I, I can't and he that. was always, another thing too about him was, you know, he'd go on to these talk shows. He'd go on Stephen A and our first take and undisputed. And, you know, he would really stick up for the Panthers and you go, go to battle for them when they're talking smack about Cam Newton, character issues. He can't handle a press conference. And, you know, Greg Olson would really stick up for those guys. That's another thing was he was just a great locker room guy and he had every one of his teammates back. I, I think that's something that he'll probably continue to do forever because I think him and Cam Newton are best friends, like pretty much best friends. So I, I think Greg Olson's always going to be a Panthers supporter and, I think him coming back to Carolina to retire as the Panthers has a lot. So, yeah, it's going to be exciting on Thursday to see that because sometimes those relationships get thrown to the wayside and they don't they don't recover. So that's good to see. I'm glad Carolina gave those guys contracts and happy to see their retirement on Thursday. Well, I think that's going to wrap up our discussion for this evening. We want to uh, promote our MLB fantasy draft. End of this month is opening day for the MLB. I know it's a long off season. I know we're talking football, but we want to get some of the listeners involved in our MLB fantasy draft. I know we have baseball fans out there. It's a 12 team league. We got a $10 buy-in first place gets $80 and a Panthers on tap t-shirt. Second place gets 20 DM us on Twitter. If you are interested, we need you guys. We want everyone to get involved. Come on, in this. People. We, it would be a fun off season. Just, you know, talk smack, a little competition with some baseball. Yeah. Get you involved a little Help bit. Help me learn baseball again. I, I need it. Come on, people. <laughs> so signups, um, we're going to have the draft, I believe, either this weekend or next week sometime. So we're just looking to fill those spots. Again, DM us on Twitter and we'll be happy to get you to join. Let's start or let's go to our draft picks of the week. This week, I went with IPA. This is a Voodoo Ranger from New Belgium. Bryson, I think you've had this before. I don't know. Yeah, I probably the threw it right is, after, too. The bottles kick ass. It's got a skull, you know, one of those Smokey the Bear hats going on. It looks it looks pretty sweet. But it, it says IPA, but I feel like it's got those amber undertones in it. I'm trying to speak a little fancy here, but I feel like it's got that more of an amber taste. And, you know, it's brewed at a Fort Collins, Colorado and in Asheville. Asheville, I've been to the New Belgium brewery there. I would go check it out. I believe they have a slide inside that you can go down a big red slide. Got to check it out. I didn't get to go on the slide. It was closed. Um, but we went outside. We had a flight of beer. It was great. I had really cool atmosphere on the, they had like a river running on the side and a band playing. So I would definitely go check it out. I'm reading the description here. It says bursting with tropical aromas and juicy fruit flavors from Mozilla, 
mosaic and amarillo hops. This golden IPA is perfectly bitter with a refreshing subline finish. Bryson, have you ever had this? Have you ever tried this? I haven't, no, and I probably won't, honestly. <laughs> I actually think you'll like it. Really? So I'm going to get you one of these, and you're going to try it. Yeah, it's it's not that powerful IPA aftertaste okay. that most IPAs have. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. So give this one a shot. It's Voodoo Ranger, made from New Belgium. Bryson, what are you drinking tonight? Well, you know me, Curtis. Uh, uh, not doing beer. You go hard in the paint. Yeah, not not doing beer again tonight. I uh, I'm on the whiskey train again here. Um, a local one, a super local one. It's actually in Greensboro. Um, CB Fishers. It's a it's a distillery in Greensboro, uh, right off of uh, is it Elm Street? I believe it's Elm. Um, and this is a special one they they made around Christmas last year, and I think they did a Christmas this year, this past year too, but. Um, it's a limited edition Christmas whiskey. It's, uh, it's, it's, um, distilled with cinnamon and, uh, and then your, your typical whiskey, barley, malted barley. Um, it's so good. Uh, it's a very small bottle. It's a limited edition bottle. So it's pretty small. Um, I've been trying to save it for as long as I can. And, uh, it's a, it's an 80 proof, um, whiskey, 40, 40% alcohol. So, um, CB Fishers is really cool to go and tour and then do their tastings. They have, um, they have gin, they have vodka, they have whiskey. Um, and I, if I were you, I would absolutely give it a shot in Greensboro. It's a really great place to go and hang out and have fun. And I think they're opening a new, um, bowling alley, right, uh, right by the distillery that actually serves drinks as well. So it's, it's a great time in that area for sure. You know, I'm going to do a challenge this week. Let's mix it up a little bit. Cause I'm, I want, I want people listening all the way through our episodes, so if you're if you listen to this episode all the way through and you're and you get to this point and then you're listening right now, I will buy you a six pack of this Voodoo Ranger. Message us on Twitter and we will find a way to send it to you. Get you guys involved a little bit more. Voodoo Ranger, I'll get you a six pack. You won't regret it. It's a good tasting beer. We want more listeners. We want you guys involved. So DM us on Twitter if you hear this message. Just have to be 21 or older. Oh, yes. Let's preface that. I don't want to be getting defined here. Good point. Good point. Well, that's going to wrap up tonight's episode. We got a big one next week. Free agency starts next Wednesday. It's going to be a fun episode. The gates are going to open up, and I think this is going to be one of the most wild off seasons ever in NFL history. It is going to be lit, as the kids say these days. Time to strap in. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening to the Panthers on Tap podcast. You can catch all of our episodes every Thursday on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit that follow button on Twitter at Panthers on Tap for all your Panthers analysis, breaking news, me and Bryson's perspective. And as always, 